guess that you never need it. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 114 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, September the 11th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee. And uh, before we do get into the show and the thank yous and the, the shout outs and all that, just want to recognize the the, the heavy day that it, that, it, that it is today and that it's been for, I'm sure, everybody. And uh, But uh, we're going to go ahead with the show and have an enjoyable evening and hopefully a nice way to wind down everybody's day. I do want to thank last Saturday's guest. We had Reed Casaoka from Dave and Adam's Card Card World. And we had John Reichard, Wade Boggs fan. A couple of great episodes. Go check those out if you care to. They are on the YouTube channel. I also want to thank Lou Papa for joining me last Sunday on the first episode of Collectible Live uh, on the Collectible YouTube channel. And join me again tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern when my guest on Collectible Live will be Mike Kantz of MC Sports Cards on Instagram. Later tonight on After Hours, joining us will be, for his quarterly appearance, Ryan Nolan from Breakout Cards with an update on all the card shows that he has been to over the last couple of months. Next Saturday on Sports Cards, live on the early show, Adam, the Real 27 guy, will join me to cover the PWCC Premier Auction yet again. And on After Hours, YouTube favorite Joe Labello, also known as, you may recognize this name a little bit better, Silver Jackify will be joining me next saturday as announced guys i am working with collectible now on sunday nights and very excited to be doing that so again as i just mentioned check out the show tomorrow night really looking forward to spend some time preparing for it today so we're gonna have a great show tomorrow and also want to welcome whatnot working with whatnot now very proud to have them as a supporter of the channel and uh just a a great group of uh guys over there so uh, i will be doing a live on their app in the next month or so so i'll Mention, make more mention about that as uh, as the weeks go by. I do want to shout out my guys at the Big Three Hockey. Give them a follow on Instagram right there. And uh, the Summit Show, which was canceled. I was supposed to be next weekend, has been canceled, unfortunately. So just want to let everybody know that if you were planning on going, uh, cancel those plans. Shout out to all the podcast listeners. You know I appreciate you guys. There's so many of you. And uh, just really appreciate everybody who does listen to the show on podcast and all the viewers and subscribers. If you're new to the channel, please do subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. Just past 3,650 subscribers like today. So on our way to 3,700 and uh, that is just awesome. So thank you everybody for that and um, hope to bring on more subscribers and welcome you to the Sports Cards Live community. As always, everybody tonight, your, your comments, your questions, they will be in play. So let's get to tonight's guest. He's a founder, a visionary, he's an innovator, he's been a collector for his whole life and has a track record of successful entrepreneurial ventures. His favorite teams are the Detroit Tigers, Lions, and Pistons. We'll ask him why not the Red Wings in a a moment. Favorite athletes are Dan Marino, Miguel Cabrera, Mickey Mantle, and Babe Ruth, originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan, currently hailing from St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Let's bring him out. John Yob, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing well as well. Thank you for uh, for asking. Thank you for joining. So, John, 
you know, I'm a hockey fan. I've been a hockey fan my whole life. When I asked you what your favorite teams were, you listed all the Detroit teams except for the Red Wings. Please explain. Yeah, you know, I was a big Red Wings fan back in the Stevie Y era, uh, as a player anyway, and uh, I was a big fan during this sort of Colorado Avalanche days when they'd have those fights and whatnot in the late 1990s. You know, I was in college in Ann Arbor then and went to pretty much, uh, or not went to, went to a lot of games, but watched pretty much every game. So I I was a big fan. Honestly, I stopped watching it a bit after the strike, like I think a lot of people did, and then uh, when they weren't on TV as much. So uh, I've I've sort of, uh, I guess I'm a fair weather fan. I liked him in the nineties quite a bit, um, but uh, hockey isn't my favorite sport. So, Okay. Well, I- I'm glad that you were a fan, at least in the Stevie Eiserman days. I mean, he's, he's yeah. a legend and yeah. uh, he helped take the Red Wings from really the bottom of the league in the early eighties to Stanley cup champions. And I believe uh, in the early nineties. So uh, yeah. well done for him and congratulations to, to your Red Wings back then. So we got, we got to meet at the national back in August and, um, yeah, I guess just very quickly, how was the national for you and Card Score? Uh, it was fantastic. It was a it was a father son experience to a large degree. I I brought my daughter Cassidy to the Houston show, the TriStar one, when we first launched Card Score, and then I uh, I brought my son AJ to the national this time, and uh, it was a great experience. You know, I spent a lot of time with my son. It was more uh, hanging out with him than it was uh, hunting for cards myself. Uh, we did the Panini box break contest and those kinds of things. So it was a great uh, father-son experience. From a card score perspective, it was also a, a great success. We got hundreds and hundreds of cards were uploaded by new customers. We essentially launched the pro- project, uh, the company on the national stage, signed up 20 to 25 stores to have our kiosks in them, had a great party with Bobby Hall. So it was a great launch uh, for the product. Right on. Yeah. And it was, it was nice. I, I, you did invite me to the, uh, the party with Bobby Hall. It was nice to come there and, and it was great to just have a little chat with you kind of and arrange for this, uh, for this show tonight, which I want to quickly tell the story why we almost had to delay this uh, or reschedule. What, what was going on? Well, uh, you know, we went to school in Ann Arbor. We're big Michigan fans, both my wife and I and my son, AJ, uh, about a week ago started talking about, well, you know, Dad, we should really go to that Michigan-Washington uh, game. And at the time, Washington was ranked, and uh, it was an attractive thing. So we reached out to you and, and sort of uh, felt it out a little bit. But uh, ultimately, when Washington lost to Montana last weekend, we decided, well, maybe that's not such a big game anyway. And so we're happy to be here. Well, good. I'm glad that we could uh, stick with the date. It's it's tough to reschedule these days. So I'm 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 yeah. I'm sorry your team lost, but I'm I'm glad they lost as well. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's uh let's get into it. We'll start off uh, by by sort of getting into a little about you. Um, you got your start in politics. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I, I started as a political consultant, have since uh, formed a, a number of companies, startups into successful companies. But but I started as a political consultant, helped elect governors, senators, even a president. I was a national political director for John McCain for a long time and traveled with the senator, uh, the late senator. And uh, so I got my start in politics, but certainly we're not uh, wanting to paint this company with a political brush. Yeah, for sure. So Tell us a bit about uh, sort of your your passionate guy. You, you like to collect. What are some what are some things you're passionate about and that you like to collect? Uh, I'm sort of a set collector. You know, I like to build sets. I'm a vintage collector. I'm currently working. I'm in general working on most of the sets: T206, 1933 Gaudi, 51 Bowman, 52 Tops, 54 Tops, etc. Mostly been focused on 52 Tops uh, lately. Trying to get a pretty uh, high end set put together. Um, I'm not as much into the modern stuff. I, I don't know that I have the 
the, the, the patience to sort of understand all the new cards that are coming out. And I don't have as good of an understanding as you guys do on, on uh, all the different types of, of, of the modern cards. So I pretty much focus myself uh, on, uh, on vintage. So, okay. Well, that, that's good to know. I love vintage as well. Uh, some beautiful cards for sure. Yeah. Uh, give us a bit of a, a history on kind of, you know, collecting cards as, as a kid, maybe you're just uh, for interest sake, your first memory of cards and then, and then uh, get into sort of the story about your parents uh, taking you to Radio Shack while you were after a certain uh, computer at the time. Sure. My first experience with cards was uh, when my parents moved my bedroom uh, up uh, next to the attic when I was about six years old. I discovered my uh, brother's uh, chest of uh, then very moldy 1970, 71, 72 tops cards. Um, so that was my first sort of experience in discovering cards per se. Well, my first experience with the intersection of uh, technology and cards uh, was when I was a kid. I had an IBM PC Junior, and I was collecting a lot of cards. We'd use the computer to play games like King's Quest and you know, very entry-level programming with BASIC and whatnot, but they didn't really have a good, uh, a good database management system or file maker. And so uh, I kind of convinced my parents into taking me to Radio Shack to get me a Tandy 1000 uh, so that we could uh, begin tracking the cards and cataloging them. I went to a local card shop in a town, Lowell, Michigan. And I was very, very impressed that this gentleman had all the cards in the whole store cataloged into his system. And so for me, that was very impressive and uh, something that uh, I built on in terms of trying to bring more technology to the industry. So, okay. So speaking about technology in the industry, obviously that's what you're doing with card score, but you know, the hobbies evolved over the last years, decades, even, even months at this point, how do you think it's going to continue to evolve over time? Well, I think it's going to continue to evolve with, with more and more technology coming into the system. I think it'll evolve in some ways that benefit consumers, some way that benefit the powerful institutions involved, some ways that benefit the leagues, some ways that benefit the auction houses. I would like to use my skill set, expertise, and resources to try to bring more sort of power and authority in the hobby towards uh, consumers, local card shops, and sort of a decentralized model and, and maybe away from some of the, the pillars of the industry and the strong institutions in the industry. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we can uh, that we can continue to evolve in positive ways with some new technology. I'm, I'm impressed by things like computerized grading and and fractionalized cards and those kinds of things. But but I also think there's some there's some you know new things that can be added to the hobby. You know, I, I use the example in that in politics, uh, there's sort of two ways to run a campaign. You can either poll the public and then tell them what they want to hear. Uh, or you can uh, provide a new concept that sort of picks the curiosity of the public uh, and uh, throws a new concept at them and convince them to sort of like something that they never thought of before. And so, you know, I think that's the way a lot of new technologies are launched. You know, you, you may not have known you wanted an iPod until you heard what an iPod was and experienced it and were told that you could keep, you know, 3,000 songs in your pocket. Uh, same thing with iPad or Remarkable Digital Paper, which I use a lot. So really any new groundbreaking technology sort of sort of breaks the mold. And I think we're having that happen uh, in quite a few circumstances today, one with card score, obviously, another one with computerized grading, another one with sort of the fractionalization of the high-end card market. All right. Yeah. Lot, lots going on for sure. And uh, you mentioned fractionalized. I'm interested in that because I am working with Collectible, one of the uh, one of the more you know well-known fractional companies right now out there. Um, speak to speak to your interest in fractional. I'm curious. Are, is it something that you are into? Are you investing in it yourself? What's your, what are your kind of personal thoughts on that? 
Uh, I'm very intrigued by it. I know some people view it skeptically, but I, I think it's uh, I think it's a very smart way to provide uh, everyday collectors and consumers access to higher end cards. You know, the old notion in collecting that you you know buy the highest graded card that you can afford uh, because the highest graded cards tend to go up at a higher rate. Uh, per year than a lower graded card. So if you buy a Mantle 9 uh, as an investment, it would go up at a, a much higher rate than say a, Mat a Mantle 1. And so the thing that impresses me about something like collectible is it provides access to those valuable assets that probably increase at a higher rate uh, than, the, than the card that most consumers would be able to afford. Um, so I'm very interested in it. Uh, I participate in it. Uh, I own, I don't know, six or seven different uh, assets in there, nothing particularly valuable, more, more so for fun. Um, but I do participate and I do think that, that they're heading in the right direction. All right, good. So what are, what, what are some other of the innovations that have impressed you so far that, uh, you know, let's say in the last year, year and a half, uh, obviously, crowdsourcing. Um, I'm obviously in, uh, impressed by that, but uh, we'll get into that more. I know in a little bit, but computerized grading, I think, is is very very interesting. Um, I also uh, am, am am liking the proliferation of more peer to peer sales models. You know, to me, it's sort of a broken model that an auction house gets twenty twenty two and a half percent premium on the sale of a of a card. I and I think it's. Uh, to, to some degree regressive in that, uh, you know, if you have a very valuable card then they pay you a premium for the right to list your card in their auction house above the hammer price. Um, however, if you have a card that's only worth say 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and you put it in there, then you probably, uh, the buyer pays a 22 and a half percent premium or something in that range. And, and as you know, a tax applies to both sides. So just because the buyer pays it doesn't really matter. Basically, uh, economics. Um, but, it, you know, in my view, more peer-to-peer -peer, uh, sales would definitely be a, a step in the right direction. So, I mean, kind of redundant, but wh where should the hobby go in the future in terms of, in your in your opinion, you know, let, let me put it to you this way. How is the hobby different than the rest of, of the world in terms of uh, centralization or decentralization? And, and yeah, what are some examples of that from, from your perspective? Yeah, that's something I talk about a lot. You know, in pretty much every single thing in American life is decentralizing. They talk about mortgages or finance or stocks or crypto or real estate or, or how you educate your children online, et cetera. Literally everything is becoming more decentralized, working from home through Zoom, uh, using crypto uh, for as uh, to essentially loan yourself money or loan other people money. So there's, you know, everything in American life is decentralizing except for our hobby. For some reason, and in our hobby, for whatever reason, uh, there is this uh, uh, move towards uh, towards more centralization, more powerful institutions, consolidation, uh, not just within uh, sort of categories in terms of um, you know the, the the folks producing the cards or the grading houses or those kinds of things, but also cross category. Obviously, now with with some grading companies buying auction houses and those kinds of things. Um, so, in my view, we should be moving more sort of power and authority towards the collectors and towards the local card shops and ultimately towards towards the kids uh, who are the lifeblood of our hobby for future generations. Uh, it, it'd be my view that the technologies that we come up with, that, that anyone else who's developing technologies in the hobby, I, I would hope that they would move towards things that would return more power and authority to those local card shops and everyday collectors and maybe less in the hands of powerful institutions. So with all that, you you have created Card Score. You feel that it uh, it, it solves some of those deficiencies within the hobby. Um, can you just describe the moment in your in your mind when you when it just kind of 
the ideas all came together at the same time, you realize just how centralized the hobby still was and how, you know, you had, you had the wherewithal to maybe try and solve that. Um, what was, what was that an, an aha moment for you or how did you kind of decide to, when all those ideas came together, go from just sort of thinking it to saying, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I've long felt that an online system should be built for the purpose of scoring other people's cards and allowing people to score your cards. Um, or or so I use the term scoring rather than grading because I do believe scoring is a different product than grading. Um, but I think, you know, to sort of bring back that nostalgia of uh, people sitting around with their albums at home, uh, with their neighbors over talking through the quality of each other's cards. Uh, to me, it, it was just very obvious that technology should sort of bring back uh, that that effort to to compare cards and to essentially score each other's cards and and set up guardrails for trades and those kinds of things. So to me, it was just very very obvious um, that it should exist. I was frankly surprised that it didn't exist. Um, and so that's really what card score is. is it's it's really a platform for people to score each other's cards uh, and for them to upload their own cards. So it's really just a platform, and it's really meant to be that's that it's oftentimes the same people doing that. So you can you know upload your own cards to pay, but then you're also scoring cards at night and doesn't really end up costing you any money because you make money from, from the scoring of cards. But, but anyway, to, to get back to the, to the question, uh, the key with it really was the technology, right? So conceptually, of course, we should be scoring each other's cards, looking at each other's cards online, of course. But then, then the technology is the key part. And the, and the first hurdle that I had to get through was uh, how do you upload a card securely so that nobody takes Photoshop to it before it gets up at the server, right? And so that was the that was the first test. Um, we developed this, uh, it's called a score key. Uh, it's in the kiosk, so you can see the kiosk behind me, but we also have them for home now, we call it home base. Uh, but this was really the first trick in that this controls the scanner. So the person doesn't actually connect their scanner to their computer. So they're not running Photoshop or anything else on it because the card never even gets to their computer. It goes directly from the scanner to this uh, up to our server. So that was really the first hurdle. Once I knew that we could get through that, then I figured everything else was sort of possible. Um, the next step was making sure the scores were accurate. So we just, uh, you know, did a lot of it sort of internally with a, a big group of friends and seeing uh, how we viewed the scores would come out, sometimes hiding the professional grades, sometimes not hiding the professional grades and seeing whether the scores were competitive with the professional grades. And, and we viewed that they were. Um, I'm a, a into political polling by trade, so I'm sort of a statistician myself. And uh, and I was pretty confident that if you got 50 to 100 collectors to score a card, that you'd end up with a pretty good number just based on the sort of stats. But uh, uh, but. Once we did that and we saw the grades, then we knew sort of we, we met that step too. And then the final thing was digital fingerprinting, which is which is a really cool thing. Uh, we don't talk about it a lot because we haven't launched it yet, but we will be launching it very, very soon. Um, and that essentially confirms that the card that you say is in the holder is actually the card in the holder. So, you know, we uh, the, the card never leaves, uh, you know, yourself so you don't you don't send it anywhere. So it's up to you to put it in the holder yourself. We send you the holder, we send you the sticker which you do yourself. So the obvious question is, okay, well, how do you know the person put it in the right holder? And it's the same card. How do you know it's not some card that's just a little worse uh, than the one that was scored? And the answer to that is digital fingerprinting. So you can put the card either into your home system uh, or into a kiosk at a store, and you can confirm that that is actually the same card that was initially scored into the system. So once we had, uh, uh, once we went through the stats, once we had the score key invented, and once we knew that digital fingerprinting actually worked, uh, then we knew that it would work as a company. Okay, so you, you 
you've answered a few of the questions there. And I can see you've got uh, we've got some card score representation in the chat right now. Of course, we've got some resident skeptics as well. So let's go to the chat, John, and let's uh, let's say hi to some of the people we have with us. I want to sure. welcome Studio Sports. As just wait until hockey on Saturdays comes out again. We have this and hockey Saturdays. Can't wait for that studio. Uh, Troy, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Dr. Excited to hear John's story. Card Score has been such a fun follow on Twitter. CJ, welcome to the show. CJ works for you, correct? Yes, he does. Steve, sir, good evening. Rocco's back as always. Rocco, great to have you. Light up the lamp out of boy. Spurs, good evening. Uh, Mimona, good vibes to you. Studio, happy Saturday. Sam, great to have you. Junk Wax Gems is back. Dylan James, been looking forward to this conversation. See, John, I told you, people were looking forward to this. We couldn't reschedule. Brandon, great to have you. Interested in hearing what Card Score is all about? Well, you're going to get to do that, and you have already a little bit. Brad, good evening to you. Skeppy back in the house. I made up that name. It's card Score, I'm not sure who this is, but someone from your company. Uh, good. I'm glad you're there to answer some questions in the uh, in the chat. Uh, do you know who that is, John, so I can refer to this uh, this chatter by name? I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I'm sorry. Not no sure problem. who's Studio, thank you for the generous uh tip and donation much much appreciated terry fortune good evening we got collectors league i believe that's a jeremy right there good evening jeremy bt sports card interested to hear this interview michigan checking in pardcorn is in the house of course let's see if pardcorn is going to let us ask the questions before they do but i don't think that's going to happen mike wick welcome and good evening show me otani great to have you Frank Schneider says, John, how is the great 1960 pirate and Virgin Island resident Joe Christopher? Can you answer that? Uh, I don't know if I know Joe Christopher. Fair, Fair enough. Colin <laughs> Murray, good evening. Pardcorn throws out a comment kind of early. You know, why don't you let people get a feel for it before you ask that? But uh, anyone else not feeling this company? Well, I hope those people are here so they can at least get a, you know, Figure it out for themselves after hearing from the horse's mouth. I think that makes sure. sense. Steve Foley, great to see you. Thank you for joining. Sports Cards Nonsense says, is it true guys will slab their own cards? So, I mean, we're obviously going to get to that, but why don't you just take that one right now, John? No, that's not true. It, it is true that we send you a case, just a one-touch, and a sticker for cards that have not yet been verified. Uh, so, uh, or certainly authenticated or encapsulated. So it's not an encapsulation. It's just simply a case. Uh, we'll get into it more down the road. We will be offering encapsulation, uh, but certainly people won't be doing their own encapsulation. Very good. Very good. Uh, Collectors League says people were scared of cars at one time too. Yeah, I, I hear that. Corey Carr says this company is going to get KO'd faster than Holyfield. What do you say to someone that makes an just a stupid comment like that. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it is a new thing. So, you know, uh, I don't I don't directly compare it to professional grading. It is card scoring. It is an opportunity for people to give their opinions on each other's cards. So I, I don't doubt that uh, if you compare it to uh, different service levels, you may you may jump to that uh, conclusion. Uh, but I think if you better understand what we're actually doing as a company in terms of the fund that it provides to the industry, the accuracy, servicing that sort of lower dollar market at the $16 service level, and then hear about what we're going to do down the road in terms of verification, authentication, and encapsulation, then I think you might have a different opinion. 
Hardcorn again has this question for you. He says, the price point is way too high. Why am I paying $16 to card score when SGC cost me $25 with a bulk submitter? Well, what I would say is, again, uh, scoring a card is a different product than professionally grading a card. We, we will get into more competition with that level down the road when we do authentication, verification, encapsulation. Um, but for now, the scoring of a card is different. And the reason that it is that pricing is because it is a community of people. The money goes to the scorers. So uh, roughly half of the money goes to the platform and roughly half of the money goes to people that do the scoring. So the higher the price point, the more money the scores make. And generally speaking, those scores are the same people who are using the, pro the platform in the first place. So it's, it's essentially the community paying itself, at least with half of that money. Okay, I'm gonna do one more uh, hardcore question and possibly the last of the night. It says, what if the card is damaged between the time the card is scanned and slabbed? And I only say that because you do have people in the chat, or I guess there's a card score person in the chat who is responding. Yeah. So we don't necessarily need to bring them up on screen if they're being handled in the chat already. Okay, uh, again, uh, we don't do slabbing yet, um, but in terms of the case that you put it into, uh, the digital fingerprinting technology would pick up on that because it would be viewed at, by the computer system as a different card. So when you went to do the verification check at either a kiosk or in your home base unit from home, then it would essentially not identify the card. It would, it would essentially come back as a different card according to the computer system or not the same card that you initially submitted. Okay, and Sports Cards Nonsense just wants to know a little bit about your history. Are you in the hobby? He's genuinely asking. Uh, he's never seen your name and wanting to know your hobby history. And I just wonder, like, do we expect to know everybody in the hobby? There's a lot of people <laughs> that are kind of un under, the, under the radar in the hobby. There's probably more you don't know than you do know, but... Yeah. I guess some people think they should know everybody, but what do you say to that, uh, John? Uh, I mean, I started collecting in 1986. Uh, I've been collecting uh, most of the years since then, uh, much more aggressively as I started having business success in roughly 2011. Um, I have a very substantial collection. Uh, I would say, uh, certainly the auction houses know who I am, <laughs> but maybe not a lot of the book industry. Um, I do go to card shows, to nationals out in Jersey a couple of years ago. So I uh, active in the community, but I haven't necessarily been active like on social. So I'm not sure how else you would have. Heard. I mean, you you did show me a picture of some of your collection, and uh, from what I saw, uh, it is surprising that you've maintained your your kind of privacy this long because your collection is it's very 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 impressive. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to put a dollar value on it, but I mean. I think you have about 38 1951 Bowman Mickey Mantle rookies. You've got about a dozen Michael Jordan uh, 86 Fleers among a couple. I mean, you mentioned a couple of PSA 9 Hank Aaron rookies. I mean, uh, guys, this guy's in the hobby. This guy is in the hobby. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Tom Bullard, good evening to you. Thank you for joining. Great to see you. Okay, let's move on. Um, so, you know, I... I I've heard you say that you see card scoring uh, and the benefits of crowdsourcing as a way to return fun to the hobby and even as a way to get kids involved. Can you speak to, to that? Sure. Um, I mean, the hobby is meant to be fun. It, it should be fun looking at each other's cards, assessing the, the condition of the card, deciding whether to trade the card. 
Uh, I enjoyed that part of the hobby pre-professional grading. I know a lot of people that I talk to, especially at card shows, that uh, a lot of people don't even participate with professional grading and, and just collect the raw stuff. You know, but I, I think the hobby is is meant to be fun, and this adds that fun back to the hobby rather than just being an investment where you're gauging the, the value of the card based on the professional group that it earns. For that. This is actually back to kids who uh, sitting with uh, – through, uh, you know, tradition of each other's car, uh, putting values on those, things, you know, guardrails and those kinds of things. I think it, it, it includes uh, into the hobby, it produces a process of a kid who just, you know, gets the valuable possession at 10 or 11 years old. Uh, he doesn't have 150 bucks to PSA, nor does he have a couple of months for it to get back. Uh, but he might want to know, you know, what kind of condition it's in and what, what kind of condition it might have if he were to to submit it. But, but uh, they can learn about the importance of the condition of the card because they can watch their, their father or mother or whoever else, older brother, whoever else, uh, go through and actually use the scoring system. So they can actually zoom in on the card and check out the condition and sort of teach children to, uh, to make sure they're keeping their cards in good shape and then, you know, minor uh, nicks and scratches uh, have a big impact. Okay, I want to welcome Fire to the show. Good evening, Fire Sports Cards. Um, okay, let so talk about talk about uh, John. You were your internet was a little bit in and out there. Actually, I don't know if you could tell it was a little bit shaky. So, okay. so could you get into a a little bit about? You mentioned that you're not slabbing cards, which makes sense. How do you see card score as far as competing with the incumbent grading companies, PSA, BGS, SGC? How do you kind of see yourself positioning versus them? Yeah, well, first I'll say we don't currently slab cards. Uh, We uh, will be rolling that functionality out in the future. Um, We will be rolling out uh, something called verification to actually check to make sure that it is the card in the case uh, that uh, that you initially had scored. Uh, then we'll be rolling out authentication, which will be decentralized and based on local card shops around the country. And eventually we'll roll out encapsulation. And so at that point, when we have verification, authentication and encapsulation, which is you know weeks and months in the future, not years, um, then I think it will be more competitive uh, with the professional grading companies. Um, but for now, it's, it's, it's often very complementary with the professional grading companies. One, we serve a market that the pros aren't currently serving very well uh, in terms of that $16 price point, in terms of the, the, the score being turned around in a couple of days or sometimes even one day, uh, certainly within a week. Uh, and we also provide a specific metric if you're using it to score a previously professionally graded card, much like PWCC does their top 15% or top 30% qualifications, we provide a very specific uh, metric to those often used, overused, subjective terms such as great eye appeal, looks nicer, et cetera. So right now it's, it's very complementary with the professional grading services. But even at the point where we do verification, authentication, encapsulation, um, there's nothing stopping us from adding computerized grading and professional grading. Um, the, the crowdsourcing score is different than a professional grade. Now they're, they're similar in their overlap and they can both be used for similar purposes in terms of uh, you know evaluating the value and quality of a card, um, but they are fundamentally different things uh, but nothing is stopping us from adding those additional services in the future. 
So talk a little bit about actually when you launched the company. I want I want to go back in time a little bit. So how did you sort of make your first splash with with uh, Cardscore? Sure. The first thing we did uh, was we launched a a project where we judged uh, uh, I think it was ten different Michael Jordan uh, rookie cards that were all graded eights. Uh, so a couple SGC eights, a couple of PSA eights, a couple of, uh, Beckett eights, uh, and I think there was even a PSA eight and a half in there. It was actually a pretty cool project. The reason we did it that way was a to see how the scores would be coming back to recruit a bunch of scores to participate in the process, and to see if there was a market for the service. and And it went viral and it took off, and it was a, it was a massive success in my view. But it was also very very interesting. So the the results were very interesting. So in SGC eight, Michael Jordan actually won the contest. It scored out in an eighty at a card score eighty five, um, but it actually beat a, a PSA eight and a half. And so, uh, which was very interesting to sort of uh, compare the grading companies and how they performed uh, against each other as part of the process. And that's part of uh, the fun we want to do in the future as well, uh, in terms of having little contests. So, you know, you could do a lot of cool things with card score in the future, you know, so that uh, everybody who wants to participate uploads a Reggie Jackson rookie and they compare to see which one scores the highest. Or Reggie Jackson rookies that are all professionally graded nines and see which one scores the highest. So there's a lot of sort of cool competitive things that you can do in that way. But we initially launched it with the Jordan project. Um, then we did a little bigger project with uh, 30 1951 Mantle rookies uh, that were uh, graded of all different grades, ranging from, from one to, uh, I believe, uh, six and a half, I think was the highest we put into the contest. Um, but to, to score them, to allow the public the opportunity to score them and to look at them and to compare them and to see how they came out. And so after going through the Jordan project and going through the Mantle project, um, it was clear to me that there was uh, a market for scorers to participate, but more importantly, a lot of people out there that wanted to put their own cards into the system. And so that's great. That That's a really cool way to kind of get things kicked off. And now talk about what you're doing with kiosks. Sure. So we're installing kiosks in uh, local card shops across the country. Uh, we believe that it's important to to make these uh, local card shops the sort of the community centers that they should be of our hobby. We think it's critically important to get more kids involved in the hobby, having those sort of uh, father son, father daughter, uh, mother son experiences where you take them to the local card shop and uh, participate. And so we uh, we're installing 60 kiosks right now across the country. Uh, we have, I think, uh, 40 or 45 of those or so installed so far. Uh, I think we have uh, most of them, if not all of them, already spoken for in terms of card shops that want them. Uh, and then after that, we are launched. We, we launched a card score uh, home base, which is essentially where you can put a kiosk essentially in your house. It doesn't have all the fancy bells and whistles from uh, in terms of how it looks, but from a functionality standpoint, it's the same as the kiosk that you would have have there. And those those kiosks will do um, not just the initial uploads. Uh, but they'll also uh, shortly here in a couple of weeks, they'll be able to do the verification check to make sure that the card that the person puts into the case is actually the card that was scored. And that's something that a lot of people are kind of concerned about is how, how do you make that link between the card and the card that was actually scored. But I mean, the way you've explained it to me was that, that that's not necessarily the number one uh, motivation for card score. So I'm going to segue into that for a minute. Like in the absence of a connection between the card and the sticker and 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 holder that you send out. What are some other benefits to the service besides that? 
Uh, well, there's a lot of benefits to the service. Uh, number one, it's fun, uh, as we've already described. Number two, it uh, it brings in a lot more kids into the process. It introduces them to uh, the grading and scoring process. Uh, number three, the, the scores come back solid. You know, if you if you do it blindly with professional grading, you'd be amazed at how similar they come back to professional grades. And it's obviously on a zero to 100, 100 scale, so it has a little bit more precision to it, as well as uh, with subgrades. Uh, number four, it's uh, I call it a check on the pros, but as we previously described, it's very similar to PWCC's top 15% or top 30% calculations. It provides that, uh, that uh, specific metric to those overused terms, subjective terms such as uh, over, or, uh, you know, great eye appeal or undergraded or, or other terms that are used uh, to describe a card that they think didn't, re didn't uh, grade out to where they think. Uh, number five, the decentralization returns sort of the authority to card shops and collectors sort of decentralizes a key component uh, of the marketplace. Um, and uh, uh, number six, it's, uh, uh, it, it will be uh, the product that will be more competitive with the professional grading systems once you have verification, authentication, and encapsulation. Um, and number seven, it's quick and cheap. And so it's $16 and you get your score back in about two days. Talk about card score raw, because so far we've been talking mostly about grading cards that are already slabbed and sort of, you know, having an idea of whether it's a, you know, not all sixes are the same. Is it an average a week or a strong six? What about uh, raw and talk about the launch of that product? Sure, we launched Card Score Raw at Nationals. Um, when we first uh, did the Jordan project and the Mantle project, we were sticking with uh, with professionally graded cards, uh, largely for the reason that we just that that you're questioning in terms of the authentication and whether it is actually in the case that is described. Um, and so, as a result, we we stuck with the. Uh, professionally graded cards at first, but once we got the digital fingerprinting mastered to where you can actually check to make sure that this actually is uh, the card is in the proper case and with the proper sticker, once we uh, got the digital fingerprinting uh, uh, mastered figured out, uh, then we sort of uh, uh, felt like it was time to launch the Card Score Raw product. We launched that at National and uh, it has turned out to be a big hit, a big success, and that's definitely where the majority of our revenues are currently coming from. And home base, you mentioned earlier home base. So basically bringing the, the kiosk into the house. Talk about that. What's your plan for rolling that out? Uh, sure. We rolled it out uh, roughly a week ago. Uh, we uh, have 150 units in the first what we call phase one beta launch of the, uh, the project. Those are uh, have been selling very fast and, and we have, a, I think, some left, but uh, they'll sell out very soon. Uh, once that's through, we'll go through the testing process and, and uh, work out any kinks if there are any. We haven't really found too many or any yet, um, but we assume once there's 150 people hitting it a day at a time that we may uh, uh, need to work out some new kinks. Uh, once that's up and running to the point where we want it to be, uh, then we will launch it nationally. And, and uh, our hope is to get uh, the kiosks into roughly 250 stores uh, in the next uh, three months or so. And our plan is to get 2,500 of these home bases and homes uh, by this time next year. So, you know, I think about like the old days when you, you didn't ever imagine having a computer in your house. And by the old days, I mean, like probably the mid 80s, right? When I was a, you know, a teenager. And uh, and now you'd never think about having a, a grading or, or a scoring machine in your house. But that's what you're yeah. really trying to do. 
that's what we're doing. I mean, it, it is, you know, I use the term scoring rather than grading. It is a different product. So, you know, it's like saying an, an iPad is the same thing as an iPod. They are different things. There's some overlap in terms of what they do, um, but they are different things that provide a different service. Um, so we uh, do in-home scoring right now. Um, but, you know, we're in the beginning phases of all of this. There's nothing that prevents that from becoming a computerized scoring system rather than a crowdsourced scoring system. Uh, so uh, we'll see where the company goes uh, in that way. But for now, we are putting card scoring systems into homes across America. Right. So, so you're very you're very sort of deliberate with respect to the, the distinction between grading and scoring. Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. There, there is an overlap of use case. But they are not the same thing. And, and so a lot of the sort of the, the tough questions that you get are people who think they have tough questions. Uh, they're largely coming at you from the perspective that, that we're claiming that it is exactly the same as, as professional grading. It's not. We don't say it is. Um, there is some overlap in use case and they have sort of some uh, similar use cases, but they are different products. Yeah, I saw in the comments someone said, so why wouldn't I just go to professional grader? Uh, well, uh, a, it's not very fun to just to send your card in and you know, wait a few months or whenever to get it back. So hopefully the folks who are participating in the process view it as, as something fun to do, to score other people's cards and to see what 50 to 100 people think of, of your particular card. So that's, that's step one. Uh, number two, uh, not, you know, it's a $16 price point. So if you are assuming that it is the same product, even though uh, we emphasize that it's not, but if you are comparing them on a one-to-one -one basis, uh, then it is at a lower price point with, with much faster turnaround time. So uh, Ian Undercover has a good question. How does maintenance of the machines work in, as far as the kiosks in, in local card shops? Uh, sure. We have a customer service department that handles uh, the service-related items. Um, these these uh, score keys really are neat little machines, so they actually update over Wi-Fi. So, uh, so we can update them remotely. So when we add new software to them, uh, that happens uh, remotely. And so the product will improve over time. Um, we haven't had too many maintenance issues. Uh, there are some sort of customer service questions and those kinds of things uh, that largely are dependent upon your quality of your internet connection. We do recommend that you use ethernet. It is Wi-Fi compatible as well, um, but an ethernet connection gives a stronger, more stable connection. Okay, good stuff. I just want to thank Bargain Hunter Thrift for the comment. Thank you for providing interesting interviews. You are more than welcome. I'm glad to do it. And thank you for uh, for the tip for the host. Much appreciated right there as well. Um, okay, let's talk a bit about the future, what you're planning to do, because I do have some questions on the end. A lot of them are being asked in the chat, but I do have some that I'm going to get to. So if I'm ignoring any in the chat, it's because we are going to get to them anyway. Um, but you've talked a bit about the next steps. So I'm going to ask you to get into it a little bit more card score verification. So all of these, and it seems to me like all these future services that you are looking to offer are the result of uh, a lot of the questions and concerns that maybe some potential customers or the hobby has had. So talk about card score verification. What is it? And uh, when do you think it will roll out? price point, all these things? Well, I'd start by saying that those were questions that I had as well. I'm, I'm not naive to the hobby. I've been a collector for decades now. Um, and, uh, and so those questions that you're referring to are the same questions I had when I was trying to figure out whether to establish this company or not, and whether to do the Mantle project and the Jordan project that we thought of. And really, we decided that we 
that we didn't really want to make it a company until the point where we perfected what's called verification. And so now, uh, either at home or uh, in, a, in a kiosk, you can take the card in. Here's a Baker May Mayfield card that uh, scored a 90. And you could go in, you could put it into the kiosk uh, in a store or into your home base system from home. And you can confirm that the card in here is actually the card that was scored initially. Now, if the card is damaged or something else, then it'll come back essentially not as a match. And so the computer will essentially say it's not the same card. Now that's because the card was damaged or whatever else. But but regardless, it needs to be the same card in the same condition in order to get that match. At that point, then the card will have been verified. Um, if you would like us to do it, we can do a verification sticker on it that sort of wraps around tam tamper-proof uh, sticker. Um, but regardless, for the purposes of trading or, or making sure that the person gave you the right card uh, or sold you the right card, you can put it into the verification system. Um, the next step is authentication, uh, which is, you know, one thing, a question you didn't ask is how do you know the card that it was scored is real? You know, and so and not like uh, these one of these Jordan reprints or something. And and uh, for the purposes of, of scoring itself, uh, the fact of the matter is you don't know for sure, you know, I could tell for the vast majority of cards just by zooming in, especially vintage cards and seeing sort of the print patterns. I'm sure you can as well. Most people who've been in the hobby for a while can 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 tell whether a card's real if you can zoom in far enough on it. Um, but regardless, uh, the uh, uh, the fact of the matter is you don't d uh, definitely know that it's real, um, and we don't claim that a card that has been card scored is just giving a score to that card. However. When we launch card score authentication, uh, then in card shops across the country, I'm not going to get too into the weeds in terms of how we're going to do that yet for competitive reasons. Um, but suffice it to say, the places where we have kiosks will be able to provide an authentication service uh, that will confirm that your card uh, actually is real as well. And then that'll be added to the sticker. And then finally, there, there will be encapsulation. Uh, which will be handled in the same manner, similar manner that the stores that have kiosks across the country uh, will also be able to offer an encapsulation uh, product. We haven't finalized the sticker yet, but here's a, here would be an encapsulated card score card, for example. You know, it came up on a previous uh, interview I had on the show uh, where uh, the the guest actually made the comment. That it was the guest was Jeff Wilson from Sports Card Investor, and he said that he can see a day where you can go into a card shop, give them your card, it will be authenticated, graded and slabbed and handed back to you, whether that's, you know, same day, next day, whatever, but that you could just go do it like that. Is, this, is this what you're trying to do? Or is, it, is this something that, you know, is evolving from card score that you're going to try to accomplish? Yes. Yeah. The only question is whether it's in 2021 or 2022. It's happening uh, very soon. And uh, that, that day will come very, very soon. That's that's big news right there. Uh, I want to bring up this comment from Game Time Gallery. He says, it's too bad that all the new business models draw ire from the hobbyists. I had the same negative view when I first saw a graded card at the 1990 National. I have an open mind now. Yeah. 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 Very, very uh, fair, logical type of comment. Uh, what does Nathan say? One of the big Sorry, one of the big three will be holding on to my order for nearly 12 months for a one-month paid service. This slow speed opens up the landscape for com to competitive entrants like Card Score. It's an open-minded uh, type of comment right there. Skeppy says, how does the technology compensate for scratches or imperfections on the slab or the case the card is in? Great question. Well, uh, that is a question related to uh, professionally graded cards. So we have you know two services. I would say maybe 90, 
I'm guessing 92% or so of the cards being submitted right now are raw. So that isn't a factor for those. Um, but if you have a, uh, a, if you are scoring a professionally graded card uh, that is already encapsulated, uh, then there is potential for, for uh, that discrepancy. However, uh, in the vast majority of them that I have seen, I can tell uh, the difference between a scratch on the case and something on the card. The, the, the bigger thing is really just wiping the case clean. You know, like sort of most people when they send up sending their cards to get professionally graded, you know, they clean the card or wipe it off to make sure there's not fingerprints or dirt or anything else on them. Um, and you should just use a similar strategy with the slabs that you put into the device. As far as the, this, the whole suite of services and price point cost, are you, is, car, is card score, whether it's in 2021 or 2022, going to be able to be competitive with the never I'm not talking about turnaround time because we know that that's a, a huge issue right now. But mm -hmm. as far as price point goes, taking taking turnaround time out of it just for the sake of discussion, is it going to be competitive as far as price point? Uh, I think so. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, when uh, PSA will relaunch their sort of value based product or bulk. I forget the term they use for it. Um, but uh, so I don't know what price point they'll be at or what the turnaround time and those kinds of things uh, will be. Um, but again, from our perspective, half the money goes to the scorers. And so turnaround time is actually an important part of our model. Um, unlike the professionals, we don't change the price based on the perceived value of the card. Uh, we only change the price based on the turnaround time that you want. So essentially there's three service levels, 10 bucks, 20 bucks and 30 bucks and then six bucks to handle the shipping and handling. But, but essentially, if you choose the $30 uh, service model, then, then your card essentially gets bumped to the top of every scores list so that you get your card returned much quicker. So if you pay the $30 level, you probably get your score back the next day or, or within 48 hours. Um, if you choose the $10 service model, then it might take five to seven days. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, third and long, okay. you, you just gave me the best advice. Yeah, guys, so I just have to speak to the chat right now. I'm going to start ignoring comments because you guys are clogging it up and, and it's just too distracting. So unfortunately, I'm turning chat off. And uh, at the end of the show, when me and John are done our discussion, I will consider going back to more comments and questions. So uh, I, I, I am now, John, no longer going to be looking at the comments from the chat. I hate when this happens. It's happened once or twice before in 165 episodes. But there's a few people in there that are just uh, being a little bit disrespectful towards both of us. And uh, instead of me sitting there and blocking and, and putting them all in timeouts, I'm just going to sure. ignore it all together, okay, for, the, for both of our benefit. Talking about scorers, um, how are they compensated? How many are there? How are they vetted? Sure. There's uh, roughly 5,900 scorers have signed up to score cards. Um, roughly a thousand of those meet our threshold per month to uh, be compensated. Uh, uh, even if you only score a few cards, you still uh, you know build up a balance. But in terms of actually hitting the threshold for the uh, funds transfer to occur, we have roughly a thousand of those. Um, they, uh, uh, in, in terms of how they're compensated, roughly half of the value, half of the the price of the scoring of a card uh, is paid to the scorer. So. Uh, if the card is entered at the $30 level, then roughly half of that, roughly 15 bucks, is paid out to the scores. If it's entered at the 10 level, then roughly half of that, five bucks, are, is paid out to the scores. Um, we do have a system for scoring the scores. Um, so uh, as part of our system, before we uh, calculate uh, the average of the 50 scores that you receive, uh, we throw out outliers and and 
you know, look for sort of discrepancies and, and those who tend to be outliers end up being kicked out of the system or, or um, sort of de-emphasized within our system in terms of the cards that they can score. Uh, so there is a system for scoring the scores. Um, it's anybody who's had uh, much experience in machine learning or, or a sort of big data, uh, you know that the more the more data that you get in, the better your data becomes and the better the sort of the product that you offer becomes. Uh, and so over time, uh, as we score those scores, I believe the scores will uh, also improve. Um, but uh, when you take the average of 50 or 100, whether or not you have one or two or five that don't do as good of a job, if you're throwing out outliers, it doesn't really have an impact on the final grade. But but we're impressed with the scores that have been coming back so far. We want to thank the scores who participate, the 5,800, 5,900, I think, who have signed up so far, and the 1,000 or so that use it uh, regularly, a lot of people daily. Uh, so we want to thank them. They're, they're a big part of the effort, and they're the, what makes the company succeed. So you've said, you know, between 50 and 100 scores per card. What determines, you know, if I, if I submit a card to cards for what determines exactly how many scorers are going to review my card? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we, uh, uh, you know, we are learning as well as everyone else, right? So uh, when I first came up with the idea, I just said, oh, we'll, we'll have 100 people score every card, right? And then, and then so we, once we did, I don't know, a few hundred cards, I had my guys look back and say, okay, what is the difference, uh, you know, what's the standard deviation? What's the difference between if we just do 50 scores or if we do 100 scores or if we do 25 scores? Um, and we just and we we uh, essentially showed that there was very, very, very little change in the overall number if, between whether you use 50 scores or 100 scores. Um, but there was a, a discrepancy as you got down to, say, 20 scores. And so in our view, 50 is sort of that magic number. Um, and so on most cards, uh, I would say that they get, say, you know, 58 or 60 or 50, somewhere, somewhere between 53 and 58 uh, scores. And then the, uh, the outliers are removed. Um, and so you, pretty much, I don't want to say every card, mo the vast majority of the cards are getting 50 uh, that are weighted into that calculation prior to uh, giving you your score. And you mentioned outliers. So are outliers automatically uh, kicked out, rejected? How do you, does that take, is that done by algorithm or does somebody go in and have to look at these things and say, hey, that, that one isn't, it, you know, is obviously not an accurate assessment of the card. Like how, I guess, and I'll let you answer that, but I do have a follow-up, which is going to be, just to give you the heads up, which is going to be, you know, does a human go in after, after collecting all the scores and kind of make sure that they make sense, that they're not just, someone's not, a score isn't just in there giving a five to every single card to whip, pump through a bunch of cards. Yeah, um, I mean, sometime I would, uh, I'll, I'll show you actually sort of how the back end of it works, but but it's sort of, it's very interesting to see, uh, especially sort of in real time and, and check it out. You, you learn a lot about people and stuff, but, but uh, the way the system works is essentially um, anyone that uh, th that our algorithm views as a potential outlier, even within subcategories, um, it essentially pops up with a it's high highlighted in red in our system as sort of a flag, and then the, a human goes in and sort of analyzes each one of those flags, and so and it we can also tell sort of uh, how often that particular score tends to have flags, um, and and our flags aren't just an outlier in the traditional sense in terms of being far outside the mean or median. Um, instead, uh, there are also things like, uh, you know, always giving the same score or, or 
you know, I don't know how much of this I should give away, but bluntly uh, not spending enough time scoring the card because we can time it as well. Right. So we know where you are on the corners. If you don't look at the corners, then we don't, we're not going to take your, your, your score into account. Right. And so, so we have a, a number of things in the algorithm that spot and flag uh, what we generally term as outliers. Um, but it's more sophisticated than simply uh, being outside the mean or medium. And are the scores given any training or guidance ahead of time? Are, are they, are, are, and, and how many metrics are they scoring per card? Uh, well, the, the, there's four subgrades in terms of what they, what, in terms of what they score. Um, we have some training videos. Um, we uh, uh, do intend to invest more in that side of the business moving forward. Um, and, uh, and do more training videos and training sessions and seminars and those kinds of things. Um, and we, but we also, uh, you know, the more data that you have on these scores, the more that you can learn about those scores. And so I'll be the first to say that I think that over time, uh, the quality of the scoring uh, will uh, improve uh, dramatically. Um, but again, a, a score is, I shouldn't say dramatically, because when you average 50, nothing's going to happen dramatic. But, but the, uh, in my view, the, it will become a more precise scoring as the scorers have more experience, as the algorithms have more data uh, to work from. Um, but uh, it, uh, uh, again, you're not going to have a lot of changes because you're averaging 50. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Let's talk a bit about the hardware. Uh, I can see a couple of kiosks behind you. So I, you know, I have seen people comment on social media or, and such that it's just an Epson scanner. Can you speak to, you know, is, is an Epson 600 scanner, is that good enough for what you're, for what you're doing? And uh, maybe describe a bit more about what the kiosk is. Uh, well, this is the magic here. So the score key is the patent pending device that uh, sort of controls everything. Um, the uh, Epson scanner is uh, is just a V600 scanner. Yes, you know, there's nothing magical about the scanner. Um, the magic is uh, how we uh, uh, upload uh, in a secure fashion the file to our, to our servers so that you can't manipulate it either at the kiosk uh, or at home. Um, but other than that, is it is a basic uh, V600 scanner. It's uh, uh, it's the only one we use now. Um, we may uh, allow the home base units to uh, connect to additional scanners in the future, um, but it, at least for the launch of the company, we really wanted to make it so that every scan was in the same quality uh, using the same scanner so that you didn't have uh, a, a, a less high quality scanner uh, uploading images to the same system as this scanner, so then there'd be a difference in sort of the image quality. And so we really want people to use the V600, um, but it does have to be connected to a score key device. So the consistency is the important thing there, and the, yeah. the, the resolution of the V600 scans with the right settings are yeah. conducive to grading at a, so, so that the scorer can see and spot you know, edge, corner, centering uh, issues, Surface is that kind of the the toughest part? Yeah, I mean the uh, you know we thought long and hard about uh, whether to include include Surface and sort of how to include Surface. Um, we've used Surface slightly differently than maybe the professionals do. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things when I first started submitting a lot of my personal collection for for grading you know, five years ago or so uh, was I, I like to use the example of 1954 tops because if, if you get like a you know a PSA 9 1954 Aaron uh, it's got sort of a nice shine to it right um, and you could have an Aaron that is that is uh, 
just as good of quality in terms of the corners and the edges and even the coloration, um, but it is sort of dull around that shine and you submit it and it might come back a seven or even a six or something. And so the professional grading companies, uh, in my view, take into account uh, sort of the gloss and the finish of a card more so than I ever knew before I started submitting my own cards and wondering why the grades came back as they did. Um, so, you know, in this card score system, uh, I would say it would be harder to detect sort of that finish of the card and the gloss and whatnot of the card. Um, and when we talk about the surface, we're talking more about like surface wrinkles and those kinds of things that you can see when you zoom in on the card. Okay, let's talk a bit about the card shops that are hosting these kiosks now. Um, yeah. Quite, I'll put it quite bluntly, what's in it for them? Uh, sure, so uh, they, uh, A, people, it's traffic, people come in and out of the store uh, more often, uh, A, because they want to get their cards scored, B, because they want to do the verification check after, uh, C, we'll be launching both authentication and encapsulation at some point, so it's a pretty cool service that they'll be able to offer. Um, they do get revenue uh, from the machine, so uh, they get, uh, I think it's roughly 5% uh, or so of, of the gross revenue uh, that comes from the machine. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's it's part of this effort to make local card shops into the community centers that they should be. So rather than ship your cards off to you know California or Florida, uh, you can just bring them down to the local card shop, uh, spend time at the local card shop, go to the local card show, uh, upload your cards, hang out with fellow collectors, and be part of the community. So let's. I'm curious, what sort of feedback are you receiving from customers who have been using CardScore? Uh, actually, before that, can you give us? You may not want to for competitive purposes, but are you willing to give us any idea of how many cards have been through the card score process? I don't want to give you specific numbers, but uh, it's, you know, thousands and thousands. Um, it's, it's a lot of cards. It, it, anytime, you know, if you go in there, sign up as a score, and you can see there's plenty of cards in there to score. Um, and so uh, it's, uh, it's beating all of our expectations, and we're certainly hitting all of our metrics. I think, uh, you know, it's better to be lucky than good, you know, that people like to say. Um, but the uh, the timing is sort of right in the industry, right? Uh, people are spending more time with their cards. Uh, the uh, professional grading companies weren't able to meet the demand that occurred because of COVID. Uh, and uh, and uh, more young people are getting into the hobby for the first time maybe in years. And so uh, I think the timing was right, but uh, it's certainly been a big success so far. And our biggest challenge there, if I got one more thing, our biggest yeah. challenge there is really sort of market penetration because, um, you know, I heard one of one people, one person on your show once say that there'll be a day where you can just take a picture of your card and get it scored or graded that way, you know. Um, but our system is is uh, cares about the security of the file that you're uploading. And so if we could have just, you know, used a, a – uh, uh, a camera to take the picture of the card and then every single person in America pretty much has a machine in their pocket already, um, then it would have been a lot easier to penetrate the market quickly. Um, but based on our model, we sort of have to have a little bit slower growth model um, because you have to have either a kiosk, access to a kiosk, or access to one of these in order to uh, upload the cards in the first place. So I think that's good because it, it allows us to uh, get things done on the algorithms and those kinds of things that we want to sort of slow growth model is sort of better. Um, but certainly we are uh, we are meeting and beating all expectations that we had. And so what are the customers saying? What what sort of feedback are you getting from customers? How like and why are they using card score? Uh, number one, it's fun. 
Um, number two, it provides a service that is currently not a service level that is currently not served by the professionals or certainly not served in a cost effective uh, and timely manner. Um, some use it as like a pre-grading service. I know uh, a couple of our stores in particular uh, really push it as a pre-grading service. Um, for my collection, I don't use it as much for that. I use it more for, in my collection, like, uh, you know, cards that... Uh, uh, that I probably wouldn't send away to get professionally graded, like okay, a Larry Bird sticker card here. You know, this one card scored a 75, so it'd probably be you know seven to eight uh, in a professional grade environment. I probably wouldn't have sent it in to PSA and wait you know months or whatever and pay 150 bucks to get it back. I, I probably wouldn't do that. So um, it uh, it provides sort of a service level to an underserved uh, portion of the market, both in terms of age groups and experience in the marketplace, but also in terms of the the cards that you would uh, that you would send in. Okay, so uh, let's. I'm curious now about the. Is this like is this company something that you do you have an investor group? Is this something that? Uh, what where's the funding coming from? Just to put just to keep it nice and clear. Keep the the question clear. <laughs> sure, I'm I'm 100 owner of CardScore. I uh, I funded it myself. I've had some success in other technology projects uh, in the last decade or so, and. Uh, and so I'm, I'm 100% of the funding behind it. Uh, the other companies that I've started, I, I, I like to start with uh, a very sort of agile system. You know, we're, we're doing a lot. We've already done a lot. You know, we've only been doing this for six months or so, uh, or less even. And, uh, and we've come a long way very, very quickly. And if you had a big company with a lot of bureaucracy and uh, investors who had their own opinions and and uh, you probably wouldn't have been, been able to accomplish that much that quickly. And in order to do the things that we're planning to do, which was a verification, authentication, encapsulation, those kinds of things, um, we're gonna need to stay agile. Uh, we have had people, including some, some folks who you would consider big names in the industry, uh, reach out to us about uh, potentially uh, going another direction from an investment group perspective, um, but we uh, uh, so far have not done that. In my other companies, frankly speaking, uh, I've usually started out with 100% ownership and then over time bring in partners who sort of add something uh, in that particular industry. Uh, so I don't doubt that uh, at some point we will bring in additional investors, but it's certainly not on the short term horizon. Okay, no, very interesting. Appreciate the, uh, the, the transparency there. Uh, I'm, I'm back. I'm back into the comments now. <laughs> and I'm looking for one. I'm looking for the okay. ones that are actually worthy of, of our time. So lucky cases on average, how long does it take a scorer to score one card? Uh, uh, that's a good question. It, it depends on the score. Um, we obviously, we want it to take a couple of minutes uh, at least. Um, and if it doesn't, then we, uh, uh, you know, we take note of that and our algorithm takes note of that. Um, some scores spend a lot of time. Uh, in fact, I think, uh, you know, those of you who, who do like Google Analytics and those kinds of things with websites that you may control or have access to who track sort of screen time, you know, our, our average screen time is like 22 minutes. <laughs> and so it's, it's a, a long time to be on a website or an app for most people. Okay. I shouldn't have come back into the comments, but it, this one's really funny. Uh, anyone else feel like this Jeremy dude, I think he's talking about me, is a bit full of himself. At the end of the day, this is just cardboard, and this dude thinks he is a celebrity or something. <laughs> so, so nice to know the sports card PT is in my head. Very nice, very nice, yeah. love it. Troy says wrong comment. We are all here because we like cardboard. Don't hate on Jeremy. Thank you, Troy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. 
let's just, uh, I'm just going to punt some people very quickly because I don't need that in because yeah, I guess I'm full of myself. So I'm going to get them, get rid of them. <laughs> not in my house, not in my house, but thanks anyway. Um, okay. John, is there anything else like that, that we haven't talked about that you wanted to get the message out on? I'm going to, I'm going to say quickly to the chat again, if there's any questions you guys want to ask that haven't been asked yet, I'm, and I've missed a bunch because I wasn't looking at the comments for quite some time. So if you want to ask any questions, please put them out there. We will, uh, we will bring them up. John, you're open to more questions tonight? Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, so let, let's do that. If there's anything you haven't heard talked about yet that you have any questions for that have to do with card score, they have to have to do with card score. Uh, I am I am very happy to uh, to bring them into the show and to ask John uh, directly. Uh, Mosaic Mind is late to the show. Is card score a crowd funding of scoring? Is that the idea? Yes, it is. Pretty much in one sentence, it is crowdsourced card scoring, which is different than grading. And John, I'm sorry to answer for you, but I believe that uh, I believe that that's what how you would answer it. Can I, can I jump in on that for a second? So sure. uh, it, it obviously is crowdsourced scoring, which is different than grading, but a, sort of a, a funny comment. Uh, I'm a big Grateful Dead fan, and the great philosopher Jerry Garcia once said uh, that, that it's not that we're the best at what we do, it's that we're the only ones who do what we do. And it's, I think it's a very important distinction that crowdsourced card scoring is a similar yet different product than professional card grading. And so uh, there is obviously a lot of overlap uh, in terms of use cases, uh, but they are very different products. Thank you. Uh, DR says, John, does all the technology you need exist currently and you are just building the ecosystem out or are there technological, technological advances that need to happen for you to go to where you want to go? Uh, no, it's it's all available. Uh, you know, we already have the digital fingerprinting. And in fact, I was going to show it on my iPhone, but it didn't really look on the camera. Uh, I'll talk to my guys. Maybe we'll post some stuff on the blog where you can actually see how the digital fingerprinting works. It's, it's really cool stuff to see. Um, it actually does like a digital mapping of the card and, and can uh, make sure that confirm that it is the card or confirm that it's not the same card. So the digital fingerprinting already exists. Um, the, uh, the authentication piece is, is already in place, or at least we know exactly what we're going to do. Uh, if not having already built it, and then it, we're, we're already encapsulating cards, and so um, the uh, uh, the technology is is pretty much already there. Um, you know, we haven't gotten into the hybrid stuff in terms of the computerized grading yet. Um, you know, I don't doubt that at some point we might do that, um, but it's not in our short-term priority list in terms of the next few months or anything. Um, so I can't uh, speak too much uh, to technological advances in that realm. Um, but in terms of digital fingerprinting, authentication, encapsulation, all the technology that we want is readily available. Okay. Jason Gibbons says Sports Card Central just got our... I don't know who that is. Just got our kiosk in yesterday. Lots of love on it already. Looking forward to the future with this. Overtime grading says, what is the advantage to this compared to raw grading when BGS gets back to normal? Uh, a, uh, crowdsourced scoring is fun. You get to participate in the process. You get to score other people's cards. and Other people get to score your cards. And you're getting the viewpoint of uh, 50 collectors rather than one or two uh, professional uh, graders. So uh, it is a different process. Uh, product. Uh, it, it provides uh, similar use cases. Uh, but again, uh, it is uh, meant to be fun and meant to be uh, an asset to the hobby and something that adds value to the hobby. Okay, hope that's sufficient for you, Rob. 
Pardcorn says, how does card score authenticate cards? Uh, sure. So uh, as we talked about earlier on the show, uh, the uh, uh, we do not authenticate cards that are put into the card scoring system. Um, however, we are uh, after we launch card score verification, we will then launch card score authentication. And that authentication will happen at the kiosks uh, at the local card shops that have the kiosks. There you go. So and I just want to clarify, because I think a lot of people assume that when you when you offer a service like this, that you are offer offering the authentication or or not that they assume it, but they sort of they expect you to do that. And I think to a degree, you know, you kind of think if I'm having my card grade, see, I think a lot of people in the <laughs> hobby, when you send cards in for grading, a lot of people assume that every grading company can authenticate as well. And I've always questioned that as far as, especially with the newer grading companies, I, I just don't have faith that they can authenticate as well as they can grade because that's, you know, cards. yeah. Yeah. So, so do you, do you almost feel like, or have you had sort of any negative sort of response to the service with respect to the fact that you are not authenticating because people think you should be, or they expect that you should be? Well, we are going to launch authentication, but in the short term, we are very much open uh, about the fact that just because you upload your card from home and have it scored within our system, uh, that we aren't authenticating as part of that service level. Uh, so there will be an authentication service level, but it all comes down to the same thing. If 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 this service, if 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 technology had been different. And if uh, if they never uh, you know put that Wagner in the PSA case the first time, uh, and crowd and crowdsource uh, scoring came out prior to grading, then this would be a totally different discussion, right? And so the, you, you guys and and so a lot of folks in the hobby uh, are looking at it from a lens of of directly comparing it to professional grading, but it isn't a direct comparison to professional grading because it is a different product. Now, once you get the authentication step, the verification step and the encapsulation step, then uh, it is a lot more similar to professional grading. Um, but at this point in time, the service that we offer is that you and your friends can compare, can compare and score cards of other collectors in the community. Thank you. Mike Wick says, maybe I missed it. How does one become a member in the community? How would, for example, one become, uh, become a scorer? I heard training videos portion, but just anything else. Basically, how does someone become a scorer? Yeah, go to cardscore.com and sign up. Uh, we have about 5,900 people who have signed up. Uh, and uh, it's easy to do, and you can make money doing it. And I just put that up on the uh, on the ticker right there. Uh, I think we hit this question already, but maybe not. Troy, how often or how long does it take for someone to score a card? So the the algorithm on our both our pricing and our timeline is based on the inventory in the system. So if you pay the thirty dollar price point and you move to the top of the line, if it's ten dollar price point, then your card's put in, you're put in the back of the line. So it depends on whether you pay the thirty bucks, the twenty bucks, or the ten bucks uh, in terms of how fast it takes. If you pay thirty bucks, you probably get it back within twenty four hours. At least your digital sticker, you might get the actual sticker in the mail, you know, within a week or so. Um, but uh, uh, but you should get your digital sticker uh, via email uh, within, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours. Uh, if you go to the $10 level, uh, then you're probably getting your digital sticker back in, you know, five to six days right now. Um, uh, but uh, it all depends on the inventory in the queue. Okay. And how we, I think it came up before, how long does a, does a grader or sorry, a scorer spend on each card? 
it depends on the score. You know, uh, if they don't spend enough time, uh, in our view, then they're flagged and either removed from the system uh, or uh, de-emphasized, as we call it. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, so we, we look over time at the scores in terms of all the cards that they've scored, how much they spent on each one. And if they don't spend enough, in our view, on either any subgrade, for example, zooming in on the corners, for example, uh, then uh, we flag them and, uh, and uh, they're dealt with within the system in a variety of ways. Some are removed uh, altogether and some are just de-emphasized or some are warned in some cases. Um, uh, but uh, it depends. I mean, you know, we, we want them to spend a couple of minutes per card at least, uh, but uh, it doesn't need to be 10 minutes. But So... What what would you say? The like, do you do in your mind? What's the is is it two minutes? Is it is it a minute? Is it thirty seconds? Like I'm, you know, and I ask this because we often wonder how long they spend grading a card at a professional grading company. So sure. At the, and at the end of the day, it's kind of we're still scoring grading. We're still kind of assessing the condition of a card. So and we're looking at this. You know, you mentioned the four uh, subgrades as as you called them. Mm-hmm. I referred to them more as like metrics or criteria even. But what, what's the minimum you want someone spending? It, you know, I, I hate to sort of keep punting on it, but it really depends on the person and the card in some cases. But it really depends on the person. If you if you know what you're doing, you can get it done a lot quicker. You know, I've scored a lot of cards now. I know how to zoom right down the corners right away, scan and go back and forth, look for you know creases, those kinds of things. And so if you if you know what you're doing with experience, you can do a quality job more quickly. If it's your first time doing it, it's probably going to take you a while. Um, and, and so uh, it, it really just depends on the person. Yeah, no, you know, you, you added something there. It's not just about looking at the card. You actually have to be able to spend Technology. time zooming in, out, moving around. That, that yeah. could be. A yeah, and, and frankly, even it, it's deeper than that. Even, it even matters like, are you doing it on an iPad or are you doing it on a computer? Because the Zoom functionality works a little differently. Um, and so, you know, if you are on an iPad and you can just quickly zoom in and whatnot, you can get a quality job done more quickly. If you're having to use your mouse on a laptop and, you, you, you know, with, that doesn't have a touch screen, it's a little more complicated. It takes a little more time. PSA Slab Guy says, are you looking at a model where scorers specialize in areas like vintage, modern and or ultra modern? Uh, we get this question a lot, um, and uh, the scorers, and to some degree the customers, but the scorers really want us to move in that direction. Um, and uh, you know, it's being used in gaming cards as well. And so there are people who only want you know gaming uh, scores to score gaming cards and sports card scores to score sports cards, sort of those kinds of things. Um, so we currently don't do specialization, uh, but certainly as we continue to build out the functionality, that's something that we're gonna end up doing. Mosaic Mind says, does card score evaluate cards upon a sliding scale of age? Will a T206 scoring criteria be the same as a 2021 Topps card, for example? Uh, we certainly encourage our scores to be consistent. I know there's a lot of questions as to whether the professional grading companies use sort of a sliding scale based on the type of card and, and sort of, uh, you know, the, the difficulty in, in, in it uh, maintaining its quality. Uh, uh, I don't know whether that's accurate or not, but I know a lot of people talk about that. Um, within our system, it's ultimately up to the scores, but we encourage our scores to be consistent. Okay. Uh, OG says, can you explain what the real value is of some random people giving card scores? Provide So <laughs> uh, let me just reword it for, for OG fat snacks. Uh, 
basically, <laughs> what what is the what is the the real value of random people uh, giving card scores? What is the value of that to the hobby? Uh, well, it's a lot of fun. It includes a lot of people uh, in the hobby who can who can sit home and score other people's cards and participate in the hobby in that way. Six thousand people have signed up to do it uh, so far, and uh, and are doing it uh, every day. So they're they're currently enjoying it, and uh, obviously providing value to the hobby. Uh, we talked earlier a lot about how it uh, is serving an underserved market in terms of price point, turnaround time, those kinds of things as well. Um, but again, I do want to emphasize that it is a different product than professional grading. If, if you have a 1954 Aaron that you think is going to grade at a nine, uh, then I would recommend that you send it into PSA, you know, and and because uh, that's the better place for a 1954 Aaron that would grade a nine. I would card score it too, because that is a different service and that can provide some additional interesting information and be fun for the process. Um, but if you're uh, asking me a question, when you use the term value, if you're talking about sort of dollar value as strictly an investment vehicle rather than as an enjoyment hobby vehicle. Um, I would say that uh, a big part of card score is, uh, is the enjoyment uh, side of things. There's, there's some comments in the chat, basically, you know, you've used the word, you, you've used fun as a reason for this and people are kind of snickering at that. Do you want to respond to that at all? Uh, I mean, I believe that the hobby should be enjoyable. I mean, I, I think that, uh, sitting around as a kid uh, and going through your uh, your binders and uh, judging other people's cards uh, is an enjoyable part of the process. And I think that we need to move the hobby more towards uh, it being a fun and enjoyable process and, and maybe less away from the investment side of things. I mean, I certainly uh, have a vast collection that has a high investment uh, value and I do use it as an investment vehicle as well. Uh, however, the hobby is meant to be fun and meant to be enjoyable. And, uh, and so I would, I would, uh, I certainly don't laugh at that part of, of things. I think that's a, a critical component to our hobby. Okay. Um, sports cards, nonsense. I'm just going to read this verbatim and let you respond. Do you think it could be dangerous to encapsulate cards that are not authentic? Does that open the hobby up to risk of fraud? Of course, yes. We, we don't encapsulate cards that aren't authentic. So uh, we, we haven't yet uh, launched our encapsulation service, uh, but at the time that we do, uh, we will uh, have an authentication step that is part of that encapsulation service. And so the cards that we do encapsulate, uh, we will be vowing are authentic. Matthew Jones says, how much does the machine cost? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, the smaller one, if you include... Uh, the screen, the box, the scanner, and the score key, and everything for a shop. Uh, I think it's in the 1300 range or something in that range, maybe 1400. Uh, the bigger ones are much more substantial and are more in the in the three grand range or 35, uh, just under 4,000 range. Uh, the the score key itself, if you want to do it from home, is about 130 bucks uh, online. Um, in terms of card shops that want to have a kiosk. Uh, we have a pretty aggressive program to uh, to assist them uh, in the financing of that kiosk. Ink Paper Wax Collector says, how does a shop get set up with the machine? Uh, uh, contact card score. And uh, uh, I, I think we have a few left. I think most of the initial round of 60 kiosks are spoken for. And then we have another 150 in this beta phase of the home base uh, units. Um, but there might be a few kiosks still available. I think mostly uh, a few big ones. I think all the small ones may already be spoken for. Okay, a couple of uh, couple of 
non-softballs coming. JJ Bama says, cool idea, but I don't see any value add for paying for this. It's next to impossible for any new company to crack into this market due to lack of credibility. How, how do you respond to that type of comment, John? Uh, well, it's only $16 or $10 uh, if you don't want the sticker shipped to you, if you want the digital sticker. Um, and so, it, you know, again, it, it really is, uh, it is serving an underserved market and uh, adding enjoyment uh, to the hobby. Uh, again, this isn't a, uh, the, this is a different product than professional grading. Uh, it is crowdsourced card scoring. Um, in my view, the biggest hurdle of all these different questions is, is that we are literally uh, inventing a new thing into the hobby. It's not that we have now come up with a new grading service that's competing with PSA or SGC or whatever else. That's not what we're doing. Now, there is some overlap uh, in terms of the value of, of crowdsourced card scoring versus professional card grading. However, uh, there are different use cases uh, as well. And so the, you know, the biggest challenge is, is uh, getting people to understand that difference uh, and uh, uh, prior uh, to uh, getting into their questions. I should I should go to one I should go to a model tonight, John, where I'm only going to answer questions that that tip the that tip the show <laughs> might be a bit easier. Uh, so let's go to Bargain Hunter Thrift says so graders if they can do twenty cards an hour at fifteen cents a card will make three dollars an hour for being a grader. Well, it's it's scoring rather than grading. Uh, uh, the amount that they would make is dependent upon. Uh, uh, how, what cards are in the queue and the service level that those customers chose to use uh, when they were submitting those cards. Uh, that said, no, I wouldn't quit your job tomorrow to become a scorer with card score. Um, it's meant to be a platform where people log on to score other people's cards, their friends and other people's cards, um, and then also upload their own cards. And so in real terms, there's a lot of overlap between those people. So essentially it's the customers who are scoring other people's cards and vice versa. Uh, and therefore it's meant to essentially provide uh, an opportunity for you to score your own cards or submit your own cards to be scored essentially for free because you're providing a service to others in the hobby who are also participating. DR says, has anyone ever said card score seems like the Uber of sports card assessment or scoring? Have you heard something like that before? I, I hear the, the Uber of sports cards a lot. That's, that's certainly something that I, that I hear um, often. Uh, in my view, that the word Uber of sports, the Uber of anything is a little overused in the, in the tech space. So I personally don't use it uh, a whole lot, but uh, certainly in the collector community, I, I do hear that. I, uh, you know, I, I, somebody said to me a few days ago that, uh, that when Uber first came out, uh, nobody thought that, everybody thought that the taxi companies never thought it would work because they never thought somebody would want to ride in somebody else's car. Um, and so uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of uh, uh, those kinds of things when, when disruption takes place. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, card scores is some, in some ways disrupting uh, the hobby, in, a, in my view, in a positive way, but it's offering a new service to an already established hobby, much like professional grading did when it first came about. When professional grading first came about, there was an awful lot of people, and there still are an awful lot of people who only collect raw cards, who don't want their cards professionally graded, or even crack professionally graded cards after they buy them because they prefer them raw. Um, less and less so than maybe five years ago or 10 years ago, but when professional grading first came out, I think a lot of these same questions existed, uh, just more framed towards professional grading. And I think, in my view, in about two or three years, or maybe less, I think the folks uh, who are now commenting skeptically uh, may view card score as a very accepted thing in the in the community and choose to pick on fractionalized assets or something else instead. 
Fair enough. Uh, Mike says, so the cards at CardScore are not sold on CardScore, correct? There's no marketplace associated with this, is there? That's an awesome question. I mean, in my, it's, it's, I'm passionate about the fact that uh, we need more peer-to-peer sales in the market. I mean, you know, I, I was an econ major. I hate inefficiencies in marketplaces. And uh, I don't even like paying my realtor 6% when I sell a house or buy a house, let alone pay an auction house 22.5%. And so, you know, in my view, there's a massive inefficiency in how cards are bought and sold. And I, and I, think, I think it's a big problem. And I, and I think that peer-to-peer sales could do a good job in disrupting that. So when I hear places like, I think somebody mentioned Fanatics may end up doing it at some point, or PSA, I think has mentioned that they're even thinking about doing it. Um, you know, in my view, the more people, professional graders, fanatics, anybody, the more folks that come up with peer-to-peer sales marketplace channels, I think is is fantastic for the industry and helps decentralize it away from the powerful institutions. Um, so we uh, we may do that, and we, in fact, we may do it sooner rather than later. Um, uh, uh, we've thought a lot about that. Uh, we do get a lot of questions of if I'm going to use you to score the cards, can you just sell the cards too? You know that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, uh, I, I think we will do that in terms of what form it'll take. I'm not quite sure yet. Okay. Um, I see a question here. I'm going to put it up, but we only need to look at the last part because we've addressed the first part uh, several times already. But is basically, is card score designed to help solidify the secondary market or is it just for fun? No, it is. It isn't just for fun, but it happens to be fun and and add enjoyment to the hobby. Um, it is uh, serving a underserved part of the market. You know, I used the example earlier of that. Here's one right here. A 1986 Fleer Patrick Ewing, that card scored a 77. Um, now, I probably wouldn't send this card into PSA or SGC or anyone else to get it professionally graded. However, I did put it through the card score system for 10 bucks um, to see what it would come back as as, as part of the process. Um, we are also, I haven't mentioned this yet, but we are also going to be launching a registry system. And so uh, one of the reasons, main reasons I send a lot of my cards in that I don't intend to sell into PSA in previous years was because I liked the registry system. And so uh, I would I would send cards in to get graded just because I want to be able to include it in my registry, not so much because I, I want it professionally graded for any sort of sales purpose, but just sort of for collection tracking and those kinds of things. Um, but no, it's because it, it does uh, serve an underserved part of the market. Game Time Gallery makes the comment says it takes innovation and thought leadership like this to keep the hobby moving forward. And it's it's commendable that that you know especially considering the um, the type of comments and questions we've had in the chat tonight that uh, that there are still people like you out there that are willing to uh, you know put your neck on the line put never mind your neck put your money on the line your personal money on the line and yeah. uh, and try to to you know and and not try but to actually innovate and try to uh, disrupt create some change and uh, you know this hobby is filled with people who are very protective of the hobby and aren't that open to change. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the way I guess the, the community, many people in the community are, there are some op- more, there are some open-minded people in this hobby too, but yeah. there's a lot of people who are just, you know, very skeptical of, of anything and everything. And wow. uh, so there you, are- you definitely have the challenge ahead of you. Yeah. Let me, let me, 
comment on that for a minute. I mean, if you go into comments about a fractionalized assets or NFTs or really anything else in the technology world that is driving the hobby forward in new ways, uh, you get those same, uh, some proportion of the same sort of naysayers or negative comments. So that's anytime you are, you are changing a system or adding something new to a system, uh, those folks who are very used to how that system has functioned uh, may uh, not understand it, not, may be surprised by it, uh, may want to fight it, but that's what happens with pretty much any technological change and pretty much anything that occurs. Certainly is occurring in the other things in our hobby in terms of NFTs and fractionalized assets and computerized grading and, and everything else. So I, I, I don't doubt that it's in the crowdsourcing of scores as well. Ian Undercover says, will you consider a way of rewarding the most accurate graders or weighting their scores to improve accuracy? That's a good question. Uh, uh, in rewarding the most accurate uh, scores, uh, yes. Uh, we did do that on the Jordan and Mantle project. We gave bonuses to people who, in our view, did the best job of scoring. Um, uh, in terms of uh, weighting, uh, we haven't decided to do that. I wouldn't say we just, we've decided not to do it, um, but we don't. Uh, we don't really want to do that. We would rather uh, make adjustments to the algorithms in terms of outliers uh, and in terms of uh, 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 the top scorers, in our view, being able to score more cards and potentially earn more money. But I'm not sure that we would actually go to the point of, of weighting it on a per card basis differently. Um, but we would certainly allow scorers who we think do a better job score more cards in the system. Okay. Michael Ham says, I think this is a great idea. Love that it's not up to one person skimming a card for 30 to sec 60 seconds and making a determination. Uh, Mosaic Mind says, is Cardscore planning on developing a relationship with the existing grading companies or are you competing against them? I view it very complimentary. I mean, uh, in my, we went through it a little bit earlier, but uh, in, in my view, if you take PSA, for example, and in my view, it's very complimentary with PSA. We're, we're mostly serving a market that, that they are currently aren't serving at all. Um, but also in terms of cards that people maybe wouldn't submit in the first place to uh, PSA. Uh, also, uh, a lot of people use it as sort of a pre-grading service. Um, so there is a lot of, uh, in my view, it's much, much more complimentary than competitive. Um, if we go down the road of offering computerized grading and when we get verification, authentication, encapsulation, uh, then maybe there would be more competition there. Um, but we generally view it as a complimentary service. Um, and in fact, the first service that we offered only scored previously professionally graded cards. Um, so uh, we view it much more complementary and we view it as a different service that happens to have some overlap in use cases. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Rock Latex says, should buyers of a card score encapsulated card still be concerned about trimmed or counterfeited cards? Well, we don't presently encapsulate cards. So, um, but 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 once we get to authentic verification, authentication, and encapsulation, then at that point, no, we will be vouching for uh, the fact that the card is in fact authentic, and uh, put our name and uh, guarantee and resources uh, on the line to defend that. Game time gallery. I, I got to pick out some some of the of the more positive comments or. Uh, even if they're geared towards myself, the market will dictate whether this will be a success or not. Very true, right? That, that's at the end of the day. Yeah. You will, you will, you will, this company will either be successful or not based on how the market responds. Uh, and thank you, Game Time. Um, you're welcome for me pulling uh, and, and inviting John onto the show 
and John, I'm, I'm glad you were willing to come on tonight. Uh, our score. I mean, and fr frankly, if I could jump in there, uh, oh. you know, we are already meeting and exceeding our goals. You know, we, uh, with only kiosks in, you know, uh, soon uh, 60 locations, soon to be 250 down the road or in the next few months, and only, you know, only launching 150 of these, um, we're already very, very busy. There's a lot of cards going through that system every single day. And so if you log in to be a scorer, you'll be able to see that. Um, but in our view, uh, the, the, the community is already positively responding. Is it some smashing success that's, you know, all these score, the scorers are all making a ton of money and all this kind of thing? Uh, no, uh, not yet, but we are certainly exceeding our goals. And in my view, already gaining market acceptance. Okay, well, that's great to hear. Sports Card Analytics says, in video games, free-to-play games generate the most money due to ads. Have you thought about making card score free to consumers? I think it would be a good move. Well, you can't because you got to pay the scores. Um, so have we thought about uh, 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 minimizing revenue to the platform uh, to in, or, in order to maximize uh, uh, competitive pricing? And payments of scores, yes, you know, we've thought about that. Um, but ultimately, uh, the scores are providing a service, and the platform is just facilitating that trade between the scorer and the customer. And so ultimately, we're just a platform to make that intersection between the scores and the customers. In order to pay the scores, the customer has to pay something for it. Fair enough. Fair but enough. We, 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 could, we could very well use these kiosks to provide a free computerized grading service. There are things like that that we can do. Um, so, you know, once you have the kiosks and once you have uh, the home base unit, uh, then the things that we, the services that we are able to provide relative to the card that you upload uh, could be uh, dramatically more than crowdsourced scoring. Okay. Uh, Algo James says, does card score grade unlicensed custom cards? Score. I guess the right terminology is this card score score unlicensed custom cards. Uh, a customer can upload pretty much any card that they want to be scored into the system. Um, at the time that we offer things like verification, authentication, encapsulation, uh, we will be far more picky about those cards that we actually encapsulate. Um, however, for the purposes of uh, getting a card scored, yes, you could uh, you could put pretty much any card you want in there. Junkwax Gems asks. Curious if raw cards must be placed in a one-touch after scoring. Uh, well, must is an interesting term. Um, we strongly encourage you to because if you uh, don't and it gets damaged, then if somebody does the uh, verification, uh, then it won't come back as being the same card. So you definitely don't want that card to be damaged after you get it scored. Otherwise, it'll fail the verification check. Okay. Good advice there. Cards and Coffee says, I do plan on getting a score key in a few days. Enjoy the platform. With getting a score key, will we get future updates? Yeah, the uh, the score key is uh, can automatically be updated uh, via the internet. So uh, when we make software improvements, et cetera, that automatically goes down to your score key. Mike Wick says, there needs to be a banner that says this is not a grading service. I should have thought of that before, but uh, yeah, that, that's my bad. Thanks for the tip, Mike. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we're at the bottom. Oh, there was, and I, I couldn't get to all the comments, but there was, I did remember one. Uh, is, are there any kiosks yet in Canada or is it available in Canada at all? Uh, that's a question for CJ. I, I know that we had interest 
uh, from, I think, three different places in Canada. Um, so I think we might have one either soon or on the way. Um, we do have them around the world. We have one in Guam already, for example. Uh, we have uh, interest in Australia. Um, the overseas market is, as I talked about, underserved markets. You know, there's there's underserved markets in terms of uh, people and, in my view, age groups and youth. Underserved markets in terms of price point. Underserved markets in terms of uh, response time or how fast you get it back. Um, underserved markets in terms of the type of cards that you would actually score uh, and or grade. But there's also underserved markets overseas. It, you know, you, we, we talk to a lot of people. Uh, for example, we're putting one in the Philippines right now. We're putting, we already have one in Guam. Uh, in some of these other countries, especially where there's military bases and those kinds of things, American military bases, U.S. military bases, uh, they, uh, there's a lot of collectors there. So um, certainly we've gotten a lot of interest uh, internationally. And tell me again, or tell all of us again, how many kiosks are there out in operation right now in card shops, if you're willing to share that? Yeah, uh, in the neighborhood of 45, it might be 50. Um, we did uh, our initial... Uh, what we called phase one beta. Uh, we did 60 uh, uh, kiosks. We did 30 of the big ones and then 30 of uh, the smaller ones here. And then we did 150 of the home base units. Um, so we'll have, we'll have 60 up and running, I would say, in the next two weeks. Um, but right now that number is probably in the 45, 50 range. And, uh, and we're placing another order, uh, significant order. So we anticipate that number growing substantially, but it takes roughly a, a month to have them built. Game Time Gallery says, the service seems like the first step in the evolution of real-time authentication grading slabbing. I agree with Jeff Wilson. Soon that day will come when there will be on-the-spot grading. And you are, you are saying that you see that happening next year at the latest, basically? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, here's a question. This has come up a couple of times. I apologize to everybody earlier. Hadn't had a chance to get to it, but this has to do with authenticating or, or maybe even grading, uh, patches on cards and, uh, autographs. But I was wondering how does scoring cards with autographs or patches impact the scoring complexities? Uh, well, in terms of the authentication side of that discussion, that wouldn't take place until we launch the authentication, uh, service in terms of, uh, the, the scoring of the card itself. Um, ultimately, that's up to the scorers. You know, we, we can provide guide, guide rails to how uh, we recommend that scorers handle various things and we can provide training. But at the end of the day, it is crowdsourced scoring. And so that's up to the scorers, not up, not up to us. Okay. Terry Fortune says, what is it a hundred point scale? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and we, have, we have categories and we average those categories. Um, one question we didn't get today uh, was uh, that I've gotten a fair amount in the past is, you know, do you uh, treat each category equally? Um, and uh, 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 the answer to that is currently yes. Um, and I think we will continue to, um, but it was, it was something that we thought long and hard about prior to uh, uh, finalizing our initial system. Okay, Mosaic Mind says uh, PSA has huge cachet in the market. That's why they can charge so much for their service. Is Cardscore aiming for similar cachet in the market or hobby? Uh, we are aiming to be the best crowdsourced card scoring system in the market. <laughs> All right, John. Liz, I, I, I think we've I think we've uh, exhausted um, the the questions here. Where there's a lot of repetition happening now. I appreciate your stamina and putting up with uh, with me bringing in uh, the same sort of questions over and over again. Sure. Uh, no but you know, I, I'm trying to find a balance here between 
uh, you know, being having a nice conversation with you, but also being able to sort of serve the hobby uh, that are showing up in the chat and asking some of these questions to the to the extent that they're asked in a in a respectful way. And they're not always uh, done that way. But we, you know, for the for the most part, we've had a, a decent experience here tonight. Uh, anything kind of to, to finish this off? Any final comments, uh, questions for me for the chat? Anything you want to put out there before we uh, wrap this up? No, what I would say is I would encourage folks to have an open mind about new technologies that come into the process. If you go back 15 years ago, a lot of people viewed professional grading skeptically or or maybe as changing the hobby for the worse. You know, we encourage folks to to view uh, new technologies with an open mind, whether that's new peer-to-peer -peer systems that come out, whether that's uh, fractionalization of cards, whether that's NFTs, whether that's crowdsourced uh, card scoring. Uh, technology provides a lot of op additional opportunities to make our hobby uh, more than in just an investment vehicle. So I think it's actually fun, something that you can do with your children. And uh, I like the investment vehicle aspect of things, um, but there are other parts of the hobby as well. And uh, encourage folks to have an uh, open mind towards those things and ultimately to fundamentally understand the difference between crowdsourced card scoring and professional grading. There will be uh, additional services offered in the future in terms of authentication, encapsulation, those kinds of things, maybe computerized grading as well. Um, but for the present time, we offer crowdsourced card scoring. Uh, we have 6,000 scorers who participate in scoring cards uh, and, uh, and a lot of customers who enjoy the product. So we encourage you to check it out, visit your local card uh, store where we have a kiosk or order a home base for home. Well, I appreciate uh, those, those comments. You definitely have, um, you know, an interesting road ahead. I think you, I, you know, I like, I like the disruptive nature of it uh, and not that so much as it's even disruptive because I don't think it need it, it may, I don't necessarily think it's going to replace not in the short term or midterm anyway, uh, yeah. professional grading services, but you know, I, I just, I'm I'm open-minded to new things and see how they work. And if they don't work, well, then you'll deal with it. Uh, you'll deal with it yourself. But, but um, I, I appreciate you coming on, John. I want to take a second. Or actually, right now, this is off topic, but I do want to just you know, we uh, we as the hobby, as the community, we lost a hobbyist today. I don't know if anyone out there heard, but uh, a mainstay dealer uh, who was I'd seen him every year at the national. Uh, I don't know how old he was. I'm guessing around in his mid thirties to mid forties and there somewhere, maybe even younger. I'm not sure, but a gentleman by the name of Terry Doolin uh, just passed away today. Uh, saw him just at the national this past uh, like a month ago. And I know he had a lot of friends in the hobby. Uh, he, he was a, a, an easy guy to spot and um, uh, passed away from COVID apparently. And I just wanted to, you know, just sort of, you know, at the end of the day, even after an episode like this, where where we might have some drama, some controversy in the chat, um, it's still, you know, we're all still of common mind. We all still collect cards and love this hobby. And uh, and we lost a person who was definitely before his time, had a family. And I know he had a lot of really good friends in the hobby. So, you know, on behalf of myself and uh, and anybody else who wants me to say on behalf of them, you know, I just I just uh, heart goes out to uh to, to his family and his friends. And, um, you know, let's, uh, let's try to be kind to one another. Um, I know it's a challenge for some people out there, but let's try to be kind to one another and, uh, and just be, be good and encouraging and uh, have some compassion and be open-minded uh, as we move forward. All right, John, I'm going to uh, uh, go to some final thank yous from the, from the chat because there are several of those. So uh, Brad, appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Spurs Cards, 
Great to, great to have you. Thank you very much. Quentin Martinson wants to know, uh, John, how would you score Tom Brady's wife? We'll just 11. Have, uh, 11. 11. <laughs> 101. 101. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Big unit. Thank you very much. Appreciate having you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. These comments keep on pouring in. Uh, Jeremy Allen, thank you. Appreciate that. Sports card nonsense says Big Terry was a great guy. He, he certainly was. I, I couldn't even believe when I heard that today. It's just, it's just very sad. Thank you, Third and Long. Appreciate it. Thank you, CJ, for joining and answering questions on behalf of Card Porn in the chat. Appreciate it. Yes, Troy, it was very, uh, it was just a crazy news today when that came out. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Can't Stop. Jordan, thanks for coming out. As always, thoughts and prayers for his family. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the comment. Noah, appreciate you. Junk Wax, thank you so much. <laughs> Chad agrees. Uh, oh, boy. we're Appreciate that, David. Tom says, much love, hobby family. Cherish your time because you can't get it back. Live to be the best you possibly can. Always strive to be better, kinder, and more sincere. Pardcorn says, and the hex on all the shills. Okay, these comments are coming in too fast. I can't even keep up. But thank you, everybody, for joining tonight. And, uh, John, thanks again. Hang tight right there. We're going to end this, guys. I'll be back with Ryan Nolan in about 10 minutes on After Hours. We are going to talk about his card show exploits over the last little while and whatever else Ryan from Breakout Cards wants to talk about. He's a great guy. You'll enjoy it. So tune back in in 10 minutes. And if uh, and also join me tomorrow night on Collectible Live with Mike Kantz. will be our special guest. And that's going to be a fun show as well. All right, everybody. Thank you. John, hang tight. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.